Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply step into the world of power loyalty and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather. Now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, welcome back to the Villa View. It's time for the post-match pints in association with Purity. Bit of a different setup today that there's four of us on the screen, one for every Southampton goal. Ty Bracey joining me, Neil from the Liverpool McGrath podcast and Tails, our new presenter on the Villa View, is also joining us as well. I don't really know what I feel after that game. Neil, Neil I'll come to you first. Just, just try and dissect it a little bit for me. Uh, yeah, I, I suppose really look 4 0 down. We were kind of wondering where the hell we were going. Two bad halves of football in a row, I think, is probably what I take away from, from the last two games. Uh, and two halves of football whereby teams have essentially just bypassed our midfield and tried to get runners past our midfield, tried to overload everybody to one side of the field, sw- swap the play, and, and it was just all too easy. Uh, the perspective I take from it, from it as well is that look of the four goals that we that we conceded today, three of them were absolute worldies. Like those two free kicks were unbelievable, and and like on other days they don't go in. And then Ings Ings scored a magic goal, and I know we gave away the ball in silly silly positions, and and you know maybe we were we were a bit naive in overloading to one side of the field, following the ball and leaving leaving other sides of the field free for for the two other goals that were uh, that we conceded from free kicks, but. You know they were really, really well taken goals, and uh, and I suppose seeing the fight in the second half for me was was a real positive with this. And uh, I suppose you really just have to kind of look for those because the first half was so one way traffic. I think. Yeah, tails obviously an unusual scenario for you to to be watching the game on on TV. I'm imagining you didn't like what you saw in the first half, but the green shoots of recovery in in the second half that that is a, a positive to take away, isn't it? Well, uh, yeah, I echo. Uh... Neil's point really um, that you know two 
two slack halves of football against one against Leeds, one against uh, Southampton has uh, lost us the games, really. We Second half, I thought we were great. I thought we created chances, made their keeper make saves. Um, but first off, we just gave ourselves too much to do. I think we gave away three. One, one thing I know for a fact, when you're setting up against Southampton, is the, the manager would have said, keep, um, keep three kicks around the box to a minimum because Ward Prowse can do exactly what he can do, uh, what he's done today. And, and we fell into the trap. We've given three kicks away. Um, first goal, we set up. Um, we, we didn't man mark. We did. Um, we did. We, we marked zonally, which, you know, against. Um, was it ben, I can't remember who scored the first goal. But um, you've got you've got to mark him man for man. You can't go zonal. And um, John McGinn ends up marking marking him, and he, and he gets a, a virtually free header. And then, like you say, there's the two free kick goals. We give away free kicks. We don't pick up um, the midfield player in or around the box and give away a free kick. And and that's what Ward Prowse can do. And then you're 3-0 down and uh, it's a mountain to climb. So uh, we just left ourselves too much to do. Yeah, and Ty, I mean, the warning signs were there after after five minutes when we, we went 1-0 down and VAR in, intervened. But you know, what feels like a, a typical Villa way at times, we didn't really learn those lessons, did we, mate? Uh, definitely not, mate. Um, I mean, things seemed a little bit wobbly from them. To be fair, you know, I think we're a bit, you know, we're a bit nervous after that, and uh, and VAR was on our side that time. But uh, echoing what uh, Tails said, you know, with having uh, McGinn, Mark Vestergaard, shouldn't have been a thing. You know, the 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 last free kick that Ward Prowse scored, Ming should be jumping there, really, and uh, and, and I think that's not a goal. Um, it's just the inconsistency, you know, like the first four games, we've had 90 minutes of good football. And then, you know, as as Tails said again, um, a bad 45 minutes against Leeds and a bad 45 minutes against uh, against Southampton. So uh, for it to finish 4-3 is uh, unfortunate. Always, Tails, you, you want a reaction when you've, you've just got pummeled the, the game before. And is, it, is it a thing to, ha- to have a hangover? Do you, do you think that that first half of football was a hangover from the second half at Leeds? Do you think that is a thing? Because you'll know because you've been in the position probably. Yeah, you, well, they'd have analysed the game against Leeds and um, they'd have wanted to start well today. And um, that would have been the thing that would have been said first and foremost is to start the game well. And... Um, and we failed to do that for, for one reason or another. But you look at it, sometimes you can't play well all the time, but dead, dead ball positions, that's, that's what you don't want to concede goals from because you can defend those. General play, you might not play well, but defend, defending set pieces, you can do that even if you're not playing well. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So, so that, that'll be massively disappointing, I think, for, for, for Dean Smith. And I'm, 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 I can bet you... Bottom dollar that he'll he'll mention um, free kicks and set pieces when when he talks about things after the game. Because essentially, Neil, we went back to basics after the after the lot after the lockdown period because we were conceding a lot from set pieces. We were conceding a, a lot of goals in general, but across the last two games, there has been signs of those old bad habits creeping in. And the eight game unbeaten run, Neil, we we didn't concede first. Suddenly, again, we've conceded first today and we've gone on and conceded two, three, four, just like we conceded two and three against Leeds. How worried are you about that? Uh, I'm not too, I'm not really too worried. I think uh, this team 
even in the start of the season, we saw that this team has been set up to counter-attack. Even when the first time I was on with you guys after the Fulham game, we did a lot of counter-attacking in that game. We let them have the ball in with, with Kenny Tete down the right-hand side, and we let them attack us, and we picked them off on the break. Um, in this particular game, though, the, in the last two games, we've been forced to, to basically take the play to the other team. That's probably the most worrying thing I find here is that when we, where was our plan B? And I think in the second half, we showed where our plan B was because in the first half, what we saw was when we were forced to take the game to, to um, Southampton, even though they were piling forward every time they got the ball, people like John McGinn were, were, were pulled out of position. And what, what happens was, what's happened since the breakdown really is that McGinn and Douglas Louise have formed a nice little wall in front of Mings and Konza. But if we're trying to take the game to the other team, when we're counterattacking, that's fine. When we're taking the game to the other team and we get pulled out of position there, it, it's it's quite obvious, I think, at times. Um, but in the second half, we kind of went back to basics, as you say, and I saw John McGinn getting on the ball an awful lot more. He wasn't following on, around James Ward-Prowse as much as he was in the first half. And I think maybe that's the job he was given to do. Uh, and it kind of just pulled him out of position slightly. Um, you know, the goals that we that, that we got in the second half, we had to work very hard for. And Trezeguet popping up at the back post as well could have got at least one more goal from there. That diving header was fantastic, and his and his uh, his volleys were very good as well. But from the defensive point of view, I think that that is, uh, we saw a small bit more structure, especially in in kind of the setup of the midfield and 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 how it kind of helps Tyrone Mings and Kansa because they want to play the ball, and you know they they want to be in a position with a ball where they can win the ball and play it. And if those if those two guys are out of position in front of them, they don't have that outlet to let the ball off in front of them, and also they don't have that outlet to to set themselves when teams are breaking at them at pace so that that was my view on it i'd be interested to hear maybe even ian i'd be interested to hear your view on it considering that you know that would have been a position that you would have found yourself in before well myself and dan have had countless conversations about um you know people always tend to look at the, the defense and say oh we're not defending well but it's what's in front of them as well i think um the the trouble what we've had against leeds and and today is uh, probably the midfield setup has not been quite right, uh, and the protection in front of the back four has not been quite right. So um, you know, to, you, know you, you look back now and you think we've, we've scored three goals at home and we've still not won the game. So you know, defensively we've done something wrong, and ultimately, the, like I said, the first half performance wasn't great, but it set. Us down at the end of the day, so um, we could have easily got something out of this game today. I thought because I thought the second the second half performance was a bit more encouraging, even though maybe Southampton have put, uh, taken the foot off the pedal because you know you do when you're four one up or four nil up. So um, it's just disappointing the first half and the way we've let the goals in um, because that that protection in front of the back four letting giving free kicks away when we know we shouldn't do that. Um, that's let us down today, I think. Yeah, and just building on that a little bit, Ty, I think I saw that Southampton's expected goals, I don't know how much you read into expected goals today, they were like 0.72 or something stupid, and, and then they've come away with, with four goals. So, even I know we've given away the free kicks and stuff, but they, they have just scored some absolute worldies. So it felt a little bit like the, like the Leeds game was just an unfortunate bad day, a bad day at the office. Bamford scored a couple of great goals there as well. But teams are scoring good goals against us, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, Ward-Prowse on the edge of the box against any teammates. You know, it doesn't matter who's in goal and it doesn't matter who's in the wall. He's got, you know, he's got that, he's got that right foot of dreams. 
Um, I, I, I don't think it would matter who was in front of him, you know, but, you know, the Matty Cash handball, I mean, in a way, I can kind of see why he's done it because I think it would have been Walcott who would have been one-on-one, you know, I assume that was... I don't know if he's done it on purpose or, you know, he's seen himself, he's, he's in a vulnerable position and thinks, OK, I'll take one for the team here and take a yellow. Uh, I'm unsure, but, you know... When it was 4-1, I was feeling pretty down. When it was 4-0, I was feeling terrible. Um, but what I took from it was, I mean, Trezeguet uh, could have scored a hat-trick, mate. You know, the, yeah. the key keeper was outstanding. You know, you could see it was frustrating him that he weren't, you know, he, he found himself in the right place at the right time. And he's he's used to finishing in those positions, you know, to, so to have three chances. The positives I've took from it is, is that we've still got three goals in us in a game, you know, and that's important. It's just... You know, is it the defensive side we need to tighten up on? You know, Ings' goal was great, but it's all from set pieces. So I assume, you know, it, it's something that we, we, we've got to be a lot more wary of is the uh, the set piece side of things, most definitely. And guys, and guys, I'd, I'd love to see the stats on how many saves Martinez has had to make today. I was about to ask you that. He hasn't made any saves in the game, I don't their, think. Not, not their one. Goal, their goalkeeper's made far more saves Absolutely. than ours has. So, you know, I think going forward... We're we're not too bad, but it's just that concentration bit um, where we've let ourselves down today. I think. I mean, the goalkeeper. To be fair, Martinez. I don't think he can do anything about any any of the any of the goals. I was obviously talking to you in the WhatsApp group, Taz, and maybe saying he was a bit bit far over the, the one side for the for the free kicks. Sometimes you just think you know you know where Warprouse is going to go. Should the goalkeeper just stand in the middle of middle of his goal? Oh, mate, sometimes. Ward Prowse has got it in his locker to put it either side. Definitely. And, and goalkeepers have pretty much have to guess where he's going to go. So um, the sides he's gone today, Martinez would have thought, I want to be in a position where I can try and save it if he does go that side. side. Yeah. But, he's still, but he's still got to take care of his side where he's supposed to save it. Do you know what I mean? So it's tough for a goalkeeper when you've got the quality of Ward Prowse up against you because you just don't know which way he's going to go. Yeah, yeah. I, I was even thinking for that second goal that he had because it was right on the edge of the area. Is there anything um, to be gained by having a line on the penalty area and having your wall? Because like, why not drop two people back on the line? Why not drop two people well, back on the post as if it's a corner? And, well, and, one, and one thing, I, one thing I can add to that is um, Mr. Bosnich. When I used to play with him, he always used to. We always used to have the debate of whether we should have a wall or not because. A lot of goalkeepers would back themselves to save a shot from 22, 25 yards. Do you know what I mean? Without a wall. So we always question whether a wall hinders a goalkeeper or actually helps them. So there, there is a debate about that. Because the first, the, the, obviously, we've, we've already conceded one set player at this point. We're 2 0 down. Wall Prowse has just banged in a free kick. Another one on the edge, like, like Neil says. I'd have thought putting a man in, in the corner would have been sensible because it would have completely eradicated him being able to go. I mean, he's put it right in the corner. He's hit the side net with it. It's a beautiful free kick. But just having that man on the line would have made him think about maybe going the other side where Martinez is, is standing. Are you surprised that after already conceding one, that they didn't try something different for the next one? I don't know. It's, it's sometimes you, you just set things up in training and they'd have practised for that. So they'd have come to a de- decision, do you have a man on the line or not? And obviously they've gone for for not having one on the line. But um, like you say, the second one, certainly, I think if you had a man on the line, <laughs> they'd have just headed it away. But 
it's, it's things that you, uh, those, these are decisions you make and sometimes they go through and some, sometimes they don't. So, yeah. I mean, it's fair to say a war press free kick essentially is a, is a penalty for, for anyone else in that game, the way it's gone. Let's just, let's just focus on Villa a little that, bit. That, yep. the, the, the one that frustrates me the most is the first goal because that sets the tone for the rest of the game. And, yeah. you know, we've set up stonily when somebody should have been picking up the big man. Do you know what I mean? So, so I, if I'd have been, if, if, if I, in my day, I'd like to say my day, but one of, one of us would have been picking him up for sure. Yeah, I mean, McGinn's got, there's nothing McGinn can do, is there? He's he uh, simply not going to win a header against that goal. Grow a foot, no maybe. Huh? Grow a, a foot, ladder. maybe. Yeah, get a ladder. Yeah. It's, it's, it's difficult, I suppose, you're right, Towers, because that going 1-0 down, it, it completely changes the game, going behind, as we've seen, when Villa go ahead, we tend to win. If we go behind, we tend to go on to concede a, a few more. Neil, Villa had to adapt early on in the game as well, because Traore, who got the start over Trezeguet, ended up going off. After about half an hour, Tresegay actually is one of the ones who comes out with real credit for me for that guy. I thought he was really good now. Yeah, it was. I, I was actually looking forward to seeing the battle of the Bertrands down that right hand that yeah. that right hand side, but it never really materialised because we didn't get a lot of ball down there when Bertrand was actually on there when Troy was on there, and uh, I, I'd love to know what happened because it seemed really innocuous, and and that's a bit worrying because when you have a guy like that that's essentially being labelled as our auxiliary second striker in a pinch and obviously an attacking fair player there and he's gone out of the game um, in a, on a non-contact injury you know where you would be expecting we won't see him for a couple of weeks but um it was yeah it was it was something that kind of like Trezeguet's, Trezeguet's work rate is fantastic. Bertrand Traore wasn't on long enough for me to make any any sweeping statement about his work rate. I don't think he did anything wrong in the game as such. It's, he certainly wasn't the reason that we were 3-0 down. Um, and, uh, but when Trezeguet came on, there could be there's a lot of things in it. His familiarity with the system, his familiarity with playing up and down that 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 wing with Matty Cash probably just gave him a little bit of a shot in the arm to Aston Villa, allowed them a small bit more stability and and players probably were a bit more comfortable playing it into him going forward because they had played with him for majority of last season and and the first five what five games of the season as well. So they knew what they were getting from Trezeguet and and it probably it may have allowed a, a, a defensive restructure a reshuffle from our from our internal midfield. Uh, as well so um, yeah as I say he comes out of the game with a lot of credit for me and, and as Ty said earlier on he could have had a hat-trick yeah because yeah I mean you you really like Trezeguet don't you Ty you got him on, on your back of your shirt last season I, I think if I'm, I'm I'm correct in saying but he, he gives us something different because he popped up a few times at that back stick and on another day he does score at least one goal doesn't he yeah definitely um, I mean I think as as Neil said I think Traore is definitely you know it's going to take him time to find his feet in the Prem um, you know, I know he's been there before, you know, but time and football changes, you know, the, how, I mean, tails, correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, how modern football is now versus to when you played, you know, Not everything feels, <laughs> no, I know, but football feels a little bit different now. And there's a, you know, there's a lot more, you know, like winning free kicks and stuff like that, you know, like, I feel like there's a lot more to football now and, you know, I think Traore, it's going to take him some time to find his feet. Um, and it's good that Trezeguet's got that competition because he's come on and you can see that he's hungry for that right-wing spot and he he wants to cement his place in the team. Um, you know, as as Neil said again, uh, you know, he didn't do anything wrong and, you know, he, he was fairly quiet over the right side. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really happy with Trezzy's work rate at the minute, to be fair, mate. 
Yeah, and Tails, the, the balance of the midfield was obviously a struggle for us at times. I thought Barkley and McGinn had, had off days. If I'm being perfectly honest, if, if, if you're Connor and Nakamba and you're sat on that bench and you, you're not getting a run out across the last two games, I mean, Connor's got a goal and assist and then we've not seen him for four games. He hasn't, hasn't had a minute. How frustrated would you be sat on the bench if that was you? Yeah, you'd obviously be, obviously be frustrated because we're losing games and you're, you're not in the team. You're not getting a shout. So um, you would be frustrated. Um, I can see... I think it's obvious for everybody to see why John McGinn and Barkley play because they've got that little bit more quality. But, um, you know, when they're not quite doing it, um, for me, defensively, they're, they're not doing it defensively because I think going forward, we're, I think we're OK. But yeah. Defensively, we've, like I said, it's not just about the back four, it's about what's in front of them as well and it's got to have the right balance. So, um you know, at the moment. Um, but but then I go back, to, I keep going back to the set pieces and, you know, is that the midfield's fault? I don't know. You know, because well, we're, we're just giving, we're just giving free kicks away in the, in the wrong areas and, and that's cost us today. So, you know, against Leeds, it was a different story because I thought we just got overran uh, midfield-wise as the game went on. Um, just, Leeds just overpowered us in, in midfield, I thought. But, um it's just different, different games and different, uh, different players up against you. It's just difficult sometimes, and uh, I just thought defensively we were found a little bit wanting today. Yeah, because observation I made in the in the first half, which is obviously where we've conceded the two free kicks in the Leicester game, McGinn and Louise, it felt like they were sitting Barkley playing as a number ten, same as the Liverpool game. In the first half against Southampton, I was watching when we had the ball on the attack, and McGinn's in the box. Barkley's drifting around all, all over the place. Jack obviously likes to drift in from that, that left-hand side. Traore, he's, he's, a, he's a forward-thinking player. When the attack then didn't come off and they broke, part of the reason why I think we were giving away free kicks was because we'd just get swarmed because defensively, Louise is having to get pulled out to try and cover things and then Cash is left short because Traore's up the pitch. And I just sometimes think we, we may, we'll be too gung-ho against a team like Southampton at the start of the game. Um... I don't know. Like I said earlier, I think um, they just probably were, probably wanted just wanted to start the game on the front foot and and um, and start the game well after the Leeds game. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, sometimes maybe you got to be a little bit more conservative and uh, and start the game a bit more solid solidly. But uh, like I say, first goal is, is the is the one for me where you know if you're a little bit more solid, game goes on a little bit longer at nil nil. Then, and you're still in the game. So, um, and we just made it harder for ourselves as the game went on. Yeah, I mean, Southampton are quite a unique team as well, aren't they, Neil? They obviously play the two up front, and then the two players who you would associate as being wide players are actually kind of play in field a little bit and like number 10. So, Southampton have got the back four, and then two people that just, just purely sit in front of that back four. They don't make too many movements forward at all. So, they're quite a unique team to play against, aren't they, Southampton? Yeah, they, we've heard of the diamond midfield. Uh, they play the box midfield. It's literally yes. it's a square in the middle of midfield. And and uh, Ralph Hasselhutl, who uh, ironically, well, not ironically, interestingly enough, should I say, uh, I was speaking to a, a Southampton guy from the Southampton podcast, and he told me Hasselhutl means rabbit hutch in German, by the way, just in case yeah, anybody wants... Uh, we need I was that waiting for, for your random fact of the day, Neil. It's not, a, it's, not a, <laughs> it's not a show about your random fact of the day, mate. I'm glad you snuck that in. Well, you know, we're in lockdown here in Ireland. You guys sound like you're going into lockdown. There could be a lot of Zoom quizzes going on. That could be a nice oh, quiz question for people. Over there. 
but but yeah, um, Southampton Southampton are uh, an unorthodox setup uh, on any Saturday, regardless, and 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 it's a case of you know he's had to rebuild that team up from a nine nil last actually, which ironically enough was I think it was this weekend last year they lost nine nil to Leicester. And then he's basically taken that team. And I think there was nine of that team or eight of that team that started today were on that team that lost 9-0 to Leicester and were on a very, very bad downward trajectory. And there was question marks over him. But he's a good manager. He's good. he's unorthodox. He sets things up differently. And, and he's definitely not a um, a disciple of any... Um, uh, of of any other manager, you know, you hear a lot of people say that they they would have focused on being like a Bielsa or focused on being like a Guardiola or like Johan Cruyff back in the day and stuff. But he's very much his own man with regards to his own st- his own sty- stylistic uh, styles of play, should I say? And uh, you just see it in games like that. Someone like Stuart Armstrong has come down from che- from um, from Scotland and he's taken to the Premier League like a duck to water when he got his chance because he fits that system that Hasselhoot has and, and I always talk about systems because they're becoming super super important with every passing week in professional football and you see it that the systems are there people can't figure them out they bamboozle teams and then people get used to them and then you need to consistently be able to change up your system and, and he can certainly do that yeah, because actually, Charles, when you were playing, Villa, Villa were one of the few teams I remember playing three at the back in the Premier League. Not many teams were, were doing that at that point when Brian Little implemented that. Did you ever feel that that gave, gave you an advantage? Because everyone was 4-4-2 back then. Mm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because you, uh, you could outnumber uh, so many midfields with three against two in the middle. Um, and he always wanted to have two up front as well. Uh, one left footed, one left footed, one right footed. Um and it worked for us because it, it worked with the with the personnel that we had. So, um, yeah, we could always, you know, we had good wing backs as well who could get up and down, and uh, it's something that we worked really, really hard on. But um, and we were good at it. But uh, yeah, yeah, system systems as it's it's always been a factor in football. It's it's not just a new thing. Do you know what I mean? Every manager had a different system and the, the way they wanted to play it. It's just having the right players to do it. So, um, you know, and Southampton have used it well today. Um, were they a million times better than us today? I'm, I'm not so sure. No. Um, you know, that the, that's the most frustrating thing about today is that I'd rather we have got beat 4-0 so we could have, no, I said that. absolutely hammer the team and say we were rubbish. But, yeah. you know, part of me is saying that we're, yeah, second half, we were quite good. And we, you know, I'd looked at, I'd looked at, I've not seen the stats on the game yet. But I'd love to see them because I bet if you see the stats, you'll think, oh, bloody hell, they were 4 0 up, 4 0 up, Southampton. So we had more shots than them. We we had more chance creation than them. 19 shots to their nine, and they had five shots on target, I think. Four shots on target, and all four yes. of them were balls. Martinez, I don't remember making a save in that in that game. He just put the ball out of the net four times. That's pretty, that's pretty much all he had to do in the whole yeah, game. So, so, I think... so, so it's really frustrating. So frustrating, and uh, you just think just a little bit more in the first half, and we could have got something out of this game. Yeah, well, come on, we'll come on to the the comeback now. But just a, a good point to remind everyone that this is the Purity post match point. So, in association with Purity House, so if you get yourself onto their website and use the hashtag, the code, sorry, hashtag Villa View, you'll be able to get yourself ten percent off all their Villa and beer goodies that they have there. The lovely Villa Purity cans, and they've got some Villa glasses in there now as well, which are really really nice. So yeah. Go on their website, get yourself 10% off by, by using our code. So, Tails, Villa, like you say, 
I said that to you. I'd have rather got got battered. I, I feel almost more annoyed that we've we've run them so close in the end. I remember having a similar feeling against Sheffield United that game when it was three three, thinking well, I feel like I'd have rather have just lost because they've they've annoyed me that they've only started to play with ten minutes left, and it it did seem to take going four four one down for us to get ourselves in, into gear, but. We did well. It's good to see Watkins on, on a score sheet or be a penalty because that's a slight concern that I have. Is in the in the last few games, probably last three games, there's not really been much service for him as the tails. No, I was hoping you'd say that actually. I, I thought you were going to say you know he's not got on the score sheet, but he's not had the service. We've not no, been making it for him, so um, it's not like you can say Ollie Watkins has been missing loads of chances because he's had none. But, um, yeah, there was a little bit of a set-to between them. And I thought Jack wanted to take the penalty at first. Yeah, he picked the ball up. Yeah, but um, but he took it. It's a great penalty. And it's good to see him on the score sheet because he's in my fantasy league team as well. And Hyde. <laughs> Me too. And he was my captain this week. Oh, there Me we go. Some, 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 some light relief there that we've all got Watkins in our, in our fantasy team. What do you make of that? Um, the, the lack of service type? Because it's not like he's missing chances. He's literally, I don't remember him missing a chance across the games. No, I agree with you, mate. And it was the same problem with Wesley last season. You know, everyone was really quick to criticise him. And the problem I found with him was that the service, um, he's always in the right place at the right time, you know. But Southampton weren't bad defensively, really. You know, they they defended really well. And they, they, they kept Watkins under wraps. But, you know, the, the balls that were floating in were either going to Trez on the back post, you know, or the keeper was coming for them, you know, or they got Vestergaard there, you know. So we, we had a lot of balls going in over the top and, you know, Watkins isn't the biggest the biggest striker in the world. And when you've got units like that in defence, you know, it's it's always hard to get goals from um, from balls over the top when you've got a striker who isn't, you know, the size of Vestergaard. Um, but, yeah, I, I have no... I think Jack's done that for his confidence as well, really, because it did look like Jack was... Uh, the, the commentator on the on the game I was watching, I think he had said that, you know, Jack had gone to take it and then give it to Watkins, you know, which is uh, which would be great for his confidence to get on the score sheet, you know. But I have I have no doubts that he's gonna he's gonna turn out to be an uh, an incredible stri- uh, signing, mate. If I'm honest. Yeah, because Neil, like, if you were to put a negative hat on, which which I don't like to do, obviously you're sat there with with your hat and your Chris Kamara headphones on there. But <laughs> he's only scored he, before today. He'd only actually scored in one game. So he's obviously got four got four goals now, but he's only scored across two games. How much do you read into that? I, do, I don't read much into that. When when a striker plays up top in his own, you put an awful lot of faith into a striker, I think. You put an awful lot of faith into the fact that he's going to have good days, he's going to have bad days, he's going to have lean spells, he's going to have spells when he comes on form. There's only very few strikers who can actually do it to, to a level whereby they they reach 20, 30 goals. Like you look at Drogba, he played up front in his own, Harry Kane, like with the greatest due, with greatest amount of respect, respect to Ollie Watkins, he isn't anywhere near those two guys just yet. Um, and he's going to have to find his feet. It's only his first year playing up front, or first year playing up front in the Premier League, second year overall. Um, I'm very happy with him. His movement is brilliant. Yeah. You know, yeah, his movement right. is really, really good. I, I'm looking at a um, at, at a map here of where where the players actually were uh, during the game, and it's actually really interesting that he seemed to himself and Ras Barkley almost seemed to be too close. 
from where the players were mapped together. And that's a really interesting one for me because um, I would not have said that from watching that game. So it just kind of goes to show whereby uh, stats and analytics from, from from the game can kind of maybe show you something that like they're really stood on top of each other for a lot of the game and whether that was an idea, whether they broke to the left or to the right. And and that could be a counter-attacking piece, I don't know. But, but Ollie Watkins himself... Um, I, I think he'll come on. I, I actually did cry out at half time that maybe we get a Keenan Davis up front with him. Let's see a little bit of a little enlarge and let's try and try and show the league something different from Aston Villa because we were we've stuck with our with our, our style of play almost since July of last year, since we, we came back into the roared back into the league last year and ended up staying staying up. We've stayed with more or less the same tactical setup. And I was thinking maybe it might be time to shake it up, maybe it might be time for, for future games to come. Okay, we're not going to win this game. Put show show the league something, and, and get them thinking that maybe the next time the team plays us, that are they going to go with two up front? Are they just going to go with the same eleven again? But uh, Ali Watkins, uh, I've I've no fear of him. I think he can play up front in his own, and he gives us that option. That if we do want to put a striker up with him, he's going to know how to play with them because essentially he's a he's a winger in a striker's body as it stands right now. Yeah, so that's an interesting point. And Tiles, actually, the, the next game, I think, might, might suit Villa a little bit to go away from home and, and play against a team like Arsenal. And that, that could be a game on the counter-attack where Watkins comes to the fore again. Yeah, and um, we've done we've done well at Arsenal down the years, haven't we? So, um, yeah, hopefully we can go there. Again, it's going to be a totally different game from the Leeds game and today. So, um, you have to try and adapt to each, the, each game that comes along. They're just so different and... It's always difficult to go to Arsenal, but you know I'm, I'm sure that we're capable of getting three points there. Yeah, but do you echo that? Todd? Do you feel, feel good still going into that game? Yeah, I do. To be fair, mate. Yeah, the uh, I feel like there's a little bit of pressure off when you're playing one of the bigger clubs, you know, because I think a lot of people don't expect you to get anything, you know. And we we did it at the end of last season, you know. We uh, we we did it against them then, mate. There's you know, and, and Dean Smith's openly come out and said that he doesn't go into any game with the mentality other than three points, you know, that he wants a win, you know. So if that's instilled into the team, mate, you know, I, I, I don't think it's impossible for us to get at least a point from Arsenal, mate. No way. And Tails, are you, you going to pass a fitness test and be, be allowed to go to that game next week or will you still be in quarantine? I'll, I'll, I'll be all right, mate. I'll be all right. You're, you're, you're feeling okay. People yeah. would be because some people would be surprised to see you. You sat here in your in your office after the game. Obviously, you're at every every single right, game. I think I actually had COVID. I don't know what. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm I'm giving you a chance to quash the rumor. Uh, mate, one of one of my mates I was in the pub with last week ended up getting COVID. So obviously, because track and trace, I was with him. I have to quarantine. So, but I'm fine. I'm fine. We're all glad that you're fine. And good to know, mate. Thanks. Mm. We thank you for joining us on the, on the post-match point, and I thank Ty and Neil for, for joining us as well. It's, it's been quite ther- it's always quite therapeutic to come straight on and, t- and talk after the game because you're texting your mates and you're getting all kinds of different opinions of, of what people think. Some people still sit at a reasonable level, and then I've got other mates that are just down on the floor about Villa when they lose again. So it's good to come on and get a sense of perspective. I hope the Villa View subscribers that are watching have enjoyed the show as well. Myself and Dolan will be back for a Luke Live Lounge next week and then obviously we'll have the purity post-match point after the Arsenal game as well I'm going to be honest I can't even remember what day the Arsenal game is at this point I think it's a week today around 7 o'clock the, the fixtures have completely yes, got away yeah. from Monday, night. 
yeah okay good i've got i've got there in the end so yeah disappointing for villa to lose again but hopefully next post match point we'll be talking about villa bouncing back and getting something at the emirates because as tales say we have done half decent there over the years in the current climate we hope that everyone stays safe everyone can still enjoy supporting the villa only one thing left to say up the villa up the villa Podcast Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.